Welcome to Props and Hops. I'm your host, Matt Landis, and this week's guest, Mike Roselli. Mike is a Chicago-based attorney, also a sports betting startup consultant and advisor, former chief compliance and legal officer at PlayUp USA. Also, Mike, the creator and host of the Doggy Juice podcast. Mike, I could keep going on and on. Excited to welcome you back to Props and Hops. Matt, it's great to be back on. Um, before, if, if we were talking about a year ago, you could have said most appearances on props and hops is part of my, my little resume there. But I think I was passed this year by, by Suma and, and Hitman, which completely, completely bowed out of them. So worthy, worthy um, guys there. But no, it's, it's great to be back. And I still think I get to hold the, no matter what happens, I get to hold like the, the, the mantle for, for first appearance on the podcast, the OG, I'm the OG uh, podcast guest. If I'm not mistaken, I was the first guest you had on here many moons ago. Yeah, OG status, inner circle, no doubt. And one topic that's always fun to touch on with you, and it's constantly evolving so we can keep it fresh over time, would be the legal landscape, as people might guess by that intro. So, Mike, thinking about the current state of legalization with sports betting in the United States, coming up in a couple months, we will hit the milestone of being five years post-PASPA being repealed. And if I've got it right, I know you'll correct me if I'm wrong. I think by last count, we are at 36 states plus D.C. and Puerto Rico that have passed legislation, 33 states or territories that are up and running. If that's all correct, all things considered from a macro level, how would you say it's going today? That is correct. We are at that many states. And obviously, like the rate of states legalizing has gone down as only it can, because five years ago at this time, you were only doing it, you know, single games in one state, Nevada. But yeah, we're we're 36 have passed, 33 live now. Um, The Curiously, you know, the big ones uh, being, you know, Florida, Texas, uh, obviously, if they're not at California, your state, those are not live yet. And those are, um, things are going to change a bit once they do go live, but um, there's going to be more coming on soon. We still have a lot of developments and I know we're going to dive into it now, but, you know, Massachusetts is a big one that just launched this year. Um, and they're, and they're brick and mortar only right now, but going mobile in early March here soon. And then obviously Ohio was the big one that launched on Jam 1. So, um, there's been a lot of a lot of changes since last time we talked and new states have, have opened up and the ball keeps moving. And as you think about that day, just about five years ago, that PASPA was repealed, fast forwarding to now, is there anything that you think would surprise you for better or worse about where we currently stand versus what you might have projected back then? That's a, that's a really good question. I think the answer is like there's a lot of things that are better, some things that are worse. Um, my big thing that I've that I've kind of my big takeaway the past five years is this industry, there's a lot of stakeholders in it and an ego I think is involved. Like just the notion of ego in this industry is probably more prevalent than like anywhere else. And like, really, I mean, obviously it's industry full of touts to begin with, which is a whole nother separate discussion, but you even have it with regulators and lawmakers and, and in the sense that they're, you know, they want to do things their way and see their way of doing things the only way. When in reality, we, we have blueprints on how to do this the right way. You know, there's a state like Nevada that's been doing it um, for, for, for several decades now. And New Jersey, obviously, you know, a lot of states do copy their, their laws and regulations off New Jersey um, in some ways. And that's, that's one that some should be looking to in a lot of ways, too, in that state. But, but at the same time, you have some states just going off on their own, starting some new stuff. And, you know, there's the, the in-person uh, registration requirements that were a big problem for a while, the no betting on in-state college teams is still somehow a thing. Um, so there's some states that, you know, that's, that have been getting this right, some have not, and it's been frustrating to see some of them that have not been getting it right when, when they're coming on to, you know, into the fold years after it's already been around and 
haven't even taken a glance around, you know, the neighboring states and seen, you know, what's working and what's not, and even other countries, you know, and, and you're seeing changes now in some of the whiplash uh, and some of some of like the knee jerk reactions to some of that, and, you know, the form of marketing um, restrictions, and, and obviously Ohio, you know, coming out Jam One, Ohio and Massachusetts has really um, opened up the conversation again on, on responsible gaming, which I know is something we can discuss probably in detail if you want, but it's, you know, it's the something that's finally getting attention the attention that i think it really deserves in the industry so that's been a good development to see but, but yeah it's just like so many so many hands in the cookie jar it's been that way since day one obviously there's a lot of different people that want different things but um that's been my big takeaway honestly throughout this whole thing is is uh just so many people thinking different things and wanting to do things their way and following up on that notion of responsible gaming i feel like it's been pretty tricky to try to figure out because it seems like the second you show signs of having a pulse and knowing how to win at betting, a book's going to limit you. Yeah. And if you're not going to be a long-term winning customer, then they'll probably try to take all the action that they can. Obviously, financially, that would appear to be in their best interest from an ethics and moral standpoint could be quite a different story. And with that dilemma, where do you see this shaking out responsible gaming you mentioned kind of not getting a lot of attention for a while? And that seems to be perhaps slowly changing, just how far do you think that can go? And what do you think the optimal balance will look like over time? No, that's, that's a good question because obviously like the, the landscape is different here in the U S and even like regionally you have, you know, things are different in California than they are in New York. Things are different in Iowa than they are here in Chicago. And um, you know, it's the way I like to see it. There, there's so many thoughts, honestly, but like the thing about the industry and like responsible gaming is, we we've it's been untethered like it's been the books have been unchecked and i know like a lot of people out there saying hey if the books don't self-regulate themselves on some of this stuff with the marketing practices they take then someone's going to come in and, and do something about it and you've actually seen just recently um, a lawmaker um, at a federal level introduce legislation that's that's to ban sports betting marketing entirely you know in the way same way that tobacco advertising is is um the restrictions on that nationwide and that would obviously be terrible for the entire industry something like that but but you see this type of of you know proposed bill come out as a reaction to some of the stuff some of those operators going unchecked um and you know having worked for an operator myself at play up it was you know i was the one reviewing those responsible gambling terms and you know making sure our, our virtual signage had the proper language but that's not enough just to have you know, a 1-800 number at the bottom of your advertising, I think, and or even like taking away risk-free bets, you know, changing the language around. There has to be more resources available for people, more education, really, especially younger people um, and college campuses, you know, hear more about, um, you know, just issues with college campuses, kids, you know, and they're, and they're you know, burning their parents' credit card money and stuff. There's there's a lot of education that still has to happen in the space. And I'm hopeful that there's no, you know, there's not going to be a knee-jerk reaction by lawmakers because of the mistakes and really just the, the past few years, some of these books just going unchecked and really just chasing after that market grab. That's kind of what happens when you're, you know, you're, you're just all thinking all about the money, all the, everything you can bring in in terms of customer acquisition and standing up your business. But when you go unchecked and you don't do things the right way, you run into things like this when a lawmaker wants to get involved. So I'm, I'm hopeful for the industry as a whole that something like that doesn't happen. These books start to self-regulate a little more and, and, and everyone works in tandem to, to educate new betters. Cause there's new betters every year. There's new freshmen in college, new sophomores in college every year. There's, there's new people that are getting into this thing now that the veil is being lifted or maybe their States legalizing sports betting and they're interested in it. So there's a lot of opportunity for education, but, but there's also a lot of opportunity to get this wrong as we've seen. So my hope is that, you know, the, that 
you know, sharper minds prevail here and, and we, we get to a space where you know, the, the whole industry is lifted up by proper messaging with, with responsible gaming. I hear you on the fact that a lot of people, especially younger people, people newer to this can easily get overextended, possibly addicted. So there's a need for clear improvement as far as responsible gaming is concerned. At the same time, legislation to wipe out any marketing across the entire country yeah. might be a yeah. bit too extreme. I'm sure some people wouldn't think so, but but plenty probably would. So if I'm trying to think about what a, a more optimal, sustainable balance might look like, I hear you on the hope that some of these books would self-regulate better. I don't feel tempted to hold my breath that they'll do that. Is there anything from your standpoint with your experience as an attorney, having worked with PlayUp, doing some consulting with sports betting startups? Is there anything from your unique vantage point that you see as a path to something that might be more sustainable and a more fair balance where it doesn't feel like nobody is allowed to promote anything? And at the same time, people aren't feeling like they are prey to books acting as predators, perhaps in certain scenarios. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a fine line, I think, to be struck here. And like, listen, I, I'm a better. I, I was a better before I was even in the industry with with the compliance legal side and, and the operational side. So I know what it's like to sit in those shoes. I know what it's like to be a college kid who's looking to, to get down and bet. So and and all the the perils that come with that. Um, my my view is that the and maybe I'm more optimistic than I should be, but I think my view is that you know the industry is going to continue to get more smart about this and educated. I mean, some people's heads are still in the sand on this, but as 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 it's just around people more, and as you know, as people surround themselves with the lingo and, and actually learn a bit more, hopefully learn a thing or two by some things that are going on in some states um, that have been doing this for a while, and that you know some issues that some states are having right now. Um, I'm hopeful that you know we can get to a place where where everyone can find that nice middle ground. But I think a lot of it's going to come, you know, at the level of, of the books too, really like in t taking a look at themselves and, and, um, and, and honestly, like the laws too, the regulations, you're seeing some States now maybe taking a look back at, at the way they're enforcing some of this stuff after Ohio has clamped down on, on some of the big operators for, you know, for, for literally marketing toward to, uh, to minors, like directly. So, you know, the hammer was brought down on them and, and even the messaging of some of their, um, you know, their advertising promotions and stuff. So I'm hopeful that, you know, we're going to get to a place where these books can cool down. You are seeing it too. They're cooling down on some of the the wording of this stuff too. And even like the very note, you know, like the very way that books are, are taking in customers now is starting to change. I mean, you're not seeing like the ridiculous bonuses that we saw, at, you know, during the initial land grab. So um, I think we can get to that place, just like the, the natural next step. And I think like this, at this stage we're at in the industry right now, like, it's you know the first couple of years you saw that, that that gold rush and everyone and their uncle was just it was all about market access all about getting customers and and I remember being on that side just signing market access deals and and then we went to a phase with the consolidation and some of the you know companies that weren't set to make it or fit to make it you know they were swallowed up we saw a lot of mergers acquisitions but now we're reaching that that third phase you know that next phase where I think you know some of the you know, there's more of a focus on responsible gaming and. And, and marketing restrictions, the way that this is actually going to look in the long term. And, and really, most importantly, I think an opportunity for some niche brands, um, you know, seeing like the, the betting mark there, sorry, the, um, the, the betting exchanges come out into, and those hopefully aren't niche brands. Hopefully that's a huge part of the ecosystem soon enough, but you're seeing like a chance for niche brands, B2B and B2C, uh, that can really change the, the industry for the good. And I think a lot of those hopefully will be tied to responsible gaming. Something you've touched on a couple of times mentioning 
states that are already doing this pretty well. There's perhaps a bit of a blueprint out there that not everybody's following. And we could see that when it comes to topics that we've covered already, responsible gaming. You also had mentioned registration requirements in person versus mobile. Thinking about what we've seen recently, any big developments along those lines or anything else, is there anything that you've seen come through recently that has stood out to you that might inform what you expect to come from, you know, states that are already live or states that might be going live pretty soon, how they can ideally learn from what's come in the past and not repeat some of the same mistakes? Yeah, I mean, I really have to, you got to tip the cap to Ohio and Massachusetts. I know I just brought them up, but like they've really have shaken things up. And I want to think that new states, and you're, and you're seeing some states kind of, take a look, you know, at least the, a lot of it maybe is more hope than anything, but you're seeing an indication just by maybe a lot of it's on the operators within those other states too. But you're seeing states kind of, you know, look inward and say, hey, we're, we haven't been enforcing some of these terms on what a risk-free bet is and uh, maybe in, look to enforce that a little bit more. So I really think it's a, the those recent changes with Ohio and, um, and, and Massachusetts coming out that have, you know, really they've clamped down on the, you hear some of the questioning on the, on the, you know, the, the hearings that they're having with prospective licensees and and uh, you know, future hopeful sportsbook operators, and they're asking the hard hitting questions. And some of it is linked to to some of this stuff that I think has been going unchecked, like I said, in some of those other states. So it's a good development as a whole. I mean, there's I, I could poke holes in some of those. You know, Ohio and Massachusetts, and Massachusetts still has the no betting on on, on Massachusetts colleges, and and you already saw a couple books um, mistakenly allow wagers uh, relying on their on their tech and their third party partners uh, who didn't take the uh, Merrimack off the board. And I think even Boston college, I heard uh, uh, one book, some, some people in Massachusetts were able to, you know, in person able to get down on Boston college. It's like, come on now. You know what I mean? Like someone has to actually be taking that bet. But um, anyway, like the yeah, Ohio and Massachusetts, they're not perfect bills. They're not perfect laws, but I think they're doing a lot of things right in terms of bringing thing, conversations to the table that, that need to happen. And using what we've seen recently, or even over the past five or so years in the post PASPA era or beyond, Looking ahead to the foreseeable future, what are you watching with the most interest as this continues to unfold our legalized betting landscape across much yeah. of the country? Yeah, I mean, it's all eyes are on, um, obviously, those big states we met, like Florida, your California, your state being the biggest one. But in Texas, too, I mean, Texas is is probably the most hopeful this year just because there is a bill that's been introduced. Um, and I know their legislative session ends at the end of May. Um, so there's a bit of time, but it is it is running out, and 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 you do have competing you know stakeholders there. Um, by all accounts, like the tax rate that's proposed is pretty low too, which is which is good for operators. But um, it's going to be interesting to watch that one. California, I mean, you guys are obviously. I won't I won't uh, beat a dead horse there because I know it's been it's been a, a difficult one. But like those obviously those two props failed last November. You're looking at best case scenario next year just to get that back on the you know, as a constitutional. Uh, amendment that the, the fine people of California will have to vote on. Um, so not, not looking good there, Florida, obviously the, the Seminole tribe and the, the, the tribes, and that's the issue with a lot of these States. I think we've talked about this in previous podcasts is the tribes hold so much power. Um, so that, that's the case in Florida, um, Minnesota, a state where the tribes you know, do hold all the power. Actually, there is a good development there. Um, I know there's bill introduced and there seems to be some alignment from the stakeholders and the sports league. So I think, um, you know, that that's a state to look at for potentially legalizing um, heading into this year. But it's important to remember once, you know, you saw this last year with Massachusetts and it's going to be the same for these other big states once they do launch, you know, they, they get passed in the legislature 
And then you're like, okay, let's, let's get going. The amount of time it takes to set up the regulations, but also for books. And this is something that I come from my own experience is, is for the book to be compliant and really technically compliant from the tech side of things with those specific state rules that takes a lot of time. I mean, and it takes time to write the regulations to begin with. And then it's a whole nother issue to rely, you know, to, to rely on sports book operators to comply with those and create a product that gets approved to, to launch in that state. So like the, always take the over on how long it'll take for a state to, to finally launch after, after it's passed. And you saw that with, with Massachusetts this year, I think a lot of people were thinking they'd get it done and like, you know, it would open up at the beginning of football season or, you know, certainly by November or December, it's still mobile, still not even live there yet. So, and it's, it's going to be March soon. Spoken like a true former chief compliance and legal officer for one of our operators. And I'm wondering, as you mentioned, the tribal factor. I know that Minnesota, you touched on a positive development. New York, if I'm not mistaken, that was an issue for a while. And New York seems to be doing just fine by most accounts if we're talking broad strokes. So I understand that that's a big sticking point, especially in states like California and Florida, but, but to that overall concept of looking at what other states have done and trying to replicate the blueprint that's been laid out for states that haven't yet gotten this rolling, what do you think the holdup is? Are there just unique intricacies from tribal factors from one state to another? Is it just, you know, mass government incompetence? What am I missing here when I try to think of what is the holdup this day and age when we're talking about states like California and especially Florida, because they kind of came on for a bit and then pumped the brakes and had a reversal? Yeah, Florida was really interesting. And like that, you know, we were with Play Up, our Amelco was our platform provider. And actually Amelco was involved with Hard Rock when that uh, when that went live. And then the judge, you know, uh, basically reversed the decision of a, of a prior prior course decision. And so they, they shut everything down in Florida after like, I think, a month of being live. But it was interesting because like technically, if you were aiding and abetting in illegal sports betting and the way the law is written, um, then, you know, obviously you can get the hammer brought down on you and, and Amelco are her partner at the time and and all the other partners that the most operators use you know your geolocation partners or kyc partners um they're technically you know aiding and abetting legal illegal gambling at that point so that was an interesting consideration but it's in florida it's because the tribes hold all the all the the power i mean they really um and and that's not the only state there's it's unfortunate i don't want to say unfortunately because i want to get political here but it's unfortunate from the standpoint that it that it you know it's it at least it puts restrictions on the conversation um, when when someone's holding, I guess, a certain element of of, uh, of leverage, and using that leverage in a way that directly impacts the citizens or the you know the consist- constituents in that state in a negative way, and, and and simply in the form of not bringing in tax dollars for the state that that could be coming in, and all the other benefits to legalizing sports betting. So I think a lot of it's the tribes, a lot of it's incompetence of the like you mentioned before of the lawmakers. I mean. I've always said, like, if they're this incompetent about sports betting and gaming, it freaks me out about how incompetent they could be in, like, issues like Homeland Security and, like, things that maybe might matter a little bit more. But, um, you know, for all the bad out there, there's there's a lot of good, too. There's a lot of people that have learned a lot. I've talked to lawmakers that have shown a willingness and a desire to learn more and admit, you know, that, hey, I, this is something I need to, you know, I, I don't know much about and want to learn more about. So, you know, going to conferences like Nickel G and, you know, be, be for stakeholders to be able to have conversations with lawmakers, I think is very worthwhile. So it's all just part of like the collective, you know, we're all ships in this Harbor and we hope it gets lifted up. And unfortunately some people, you know, want to want to lift theirs up a little bit more than others perhaps, but, and it really is just an issue I think with too many hands in the cookie jar and, and combined with, uh, with really just a, a lack of knowledge about what we're doing. Cause no one's been doing this, especially on the, you know, the tech compliance, the, you know, the regulatory side, no one was doing this outside Nevada. 
I'm going to go ahead and put you on the spot here and we'll really hold you to this because why wouldn't you know this with your wealth of experience? But if we think California, Texas, Florida, give me a prediction for the year in which it is legal to place a bet in each of those three states. And then uh, the cherry on top, any inclination as to which state do you think will do it the best once it is not just up and running, but thinking about that overall user experience. Now, are you saying back to our, our pre, what I was just talking about, are you saying, um, legalized or launched i guess that's like for my prediction on the year when it's yeah when <laughs> when one can legally place a bet so i guess it'll have to be both legal and have launched to be okay. eligible here okay yeah because that's an important like uh, so like Good, i'll, I'll yeah. say texas from the optimistic uh, standpoint this year legalized legalized you're able to place your bets there next year um Maybe that's a little too hopeful, but um, when I, I don't know. It's there's some good signs there that, that things can get done this year. I think so. I'll be optimistic in Texas and say that's the first of those three. Uh, Florida, I would say, is next just because they got the taste of it. Um, I don't think there's been anything like you know imminent in terms of proposals lately. But I also haven't been following the you know with the with the, the dealings and the in the legislature in Florida recently. So I, I could be wrong, but I would I would predict twenty twenty. Let's say late 2024 in Florida. Let's say they legalize it the next year, and then next year we get it, uh, people betting by football season. California, I think you know, man, it's. I'll say 2025. You guys pass it. I'm going to be optimistic and say it gets on as another. You, know, you vote. The people get to vote on another proposition in 2024, um, and then gets gets approved then, and then you start wagering there in 2025. That'll be the prediction. You put me on record for that one. All right, then the question becomes, will I be able to legally place a bet in the state of California while Brandon Staley is still patrolling the sidelines <laughs> for the Chargers? I, I would have bet heavily to the no uh, once the they mind. blew that lead to the Jags, but but now <laughs> I guess we'll still wait and see. Yeah, I would say you got a that's a tough market right there. I mean, like, yeah, you're you're laying some you're laying some heavy juice on that one. You're laying a few a few dollars on, <laughs> on that one, but you never know. You never know. Maybe you can find an alt line. <laughs> yeah there we go las vegas chris during the super bowl shuffle interview series really did reopen my eyes to the concept of not just looking you know at, at the top line point spreads totals but but really digging into alt lines to find some value so yeah especially there's more variance there. yeah absolutely well mike i do this could also be a, a good bridge to get into your betting process a bit but one more topic that kind of touches on the legal aspect of things as well as your betting process I know that you've done some consulting with sports betting startups, wondering what you can share about that work and how, if at all, that's had an impact on you as a better as well. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's been something that I kind of unintentionally backed my way into. So I, I resigned from play up last March. Um, I won't go into the reasons why, but you could kind of Google some of the stuff that was happened there. There's some internal strife, um, not you know, nothing that I had to do with, but really between the, the Australian parent entity and, and uh, the, C the U.S. CEO at the time. So um, I decided it was best for my interest just to remove myself from that. And it was it sucked because that was like my it was literally everything I wanted to be doing. We had an awesome team over there um, at PlayUp. And there's still some people there right now that, um, that you know, I've been happy to call really close friends. But um, I, so I left, took a little time to kind of focus on myself a little bit, went to Bet Bash. I think I'm still hungover from Bet Bash. Uh, <laughs> you and me uh, both. Yeah. And then I, I got married in June, but then I, um, I started, Congratulations. Being, thank you. Thank you. I started, uh, getting, a, I, I had conversations with like companies that we work with at play up companies that, you know, that wanted to integrate with us. A lot of B2B companies, a lot of companies with new innovative tech ideas, uh, that approached us or even that I just like knew about, but, um, relationships that I formed, 
uh, before leaving PlayUp. A couple of those companies um, reached out and, and just asked for some just some guidance, some help on the on the legal compliance, but strategy operational side too. And then there's been a couple, like I mentioned before, like niche brands in the space that are really trying to shake things up in a new way. Um, you know, unfortunately, I can't like discuss any of them like directly, you know, exactly what was going on. But one I will, one I can discuss. That's actually the guys are based out by you. It's WagerWire, um, and they're they're trying to get in the secondary market uh, space. So I've been that's one of the startups I've been working with since uh, I think since Q3 last year, and they're doing some really exciting stuff over there. So I checked them out. They're based out by you in LA. Awesome group of guys, and really trying to you know create an opportunity for people to be able to buy and sell their their existing tickets on the online space in the online marketplace. So there's unique legal and compliance challenges to be able to do something like that, you know, at least of which is you know, like wire act issues. But um, so companies like that, that's one I can't talk about, but like, you know, companies that are trying to change the the space, trying to carve out, a, you know, just a new, a new way of doing things. There's a lot of opportunity out there to, um, for companies that do this, especially with new innovative tech. Cause the thing I've always said is like the, the technical, I mean, obviously there's new tech coming out every day, but the technical compliance rules are starting to change a little bit. There's a lot of restrictions there. And just in, in general, in the U.S. landscape, I think that you're getting to a point where regulators are getting smarter about some of this stuff. And, and they're you know, maybe realizing, hey, this is a really good idea in terms of a way to bring more. You know, it all comes down to money. Right. So it's anything that brings in more uh, within reason, more state revenue or more tax revenue is is a bonus for everybody. And and anything, you know, for, from my end as a better, anything that can create more markets and, and more, you know, better prices for me is, is good and, and more opportunities for all of us. So I think there's, there's a great opportunity out there for a lot of companies that are looking to, you know, to, to carve out little space for themselves. And I've been fortunate enough to work with them. And I think a lot of it's just, a lot of them don't know, like the laws and regulations. I've kind of just backed into it for that reason. You know, Hey, you're a legal compliance guy. We have to get on this conversation with an investor and uh, someone's got to be able to speak to the legality of this. So I've kind of just backed myself into that. I, can't help but see a bit of a connection between the dynamic you talked about with the betting legalization process felt like a land grab at first and now it might feel like it's pretty well settled with a few main players we've already seen some consolidation but then you talk about niche players there could still be plenty of opportunity there and similarly to our point earlier if you're just somebody who looks at full game point spreads or totals in the nfl there are so many other ways to look at it with a broader attack surface so um using that parallel a bit to maybe force a slight transition with what you've done in this space with your consulting going beyond just the, the more mainstream operator level. Is there anything you've gotten from that experience that you think has also contributed to how you approach betting yourself on the other side of the counter? Not, not a whole lot. Um, I think from my end, like I'm always interested in products that are going to help, you know, tool that provide tools to speed up some of my processes. So I guess from that sense, I've worked with a couple that have, you know, just innovative ways of looking at data, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and you're seeing that like a lot of, and I think there's some exciting brands that are about to come out like this year. There's some that we obviously already know about like unabated. I, I don't work or represent work with or represent unabated, but I am a subscriber and, uh, and I, I love that product, but there's, you know, tools like that. And, and a couple of the companies I work with have, they're, they're going that direction, providing tools to a better, to, um, to really to even examine their own bets, but you know perhaps they can you know find a way to uh, instead of just tracking your bets, going a step further and maybe analyzing you know your hit rate on certain markets or your likeliness likelihood to hit uh, you know uh, find value in, in a certain market betting a certain time. There's there's just so many different ways you can approach it, and at the end of the day, anything that you know 
teaches price because I know we've uh, we've always talked about the prices is, is everything. Sports betting is all about price at the end of the day, and and any, any product out there that that drives that home and enables me as a better to speed up some things to get the best price is, is something I'm interested in. So I guess from that standpoint, it's it's, it's helped my betting. Goodbye. All right, that'll do it for part one of my conversation with Mike Roselli. Tune in next week. I'll be back with Mike for part two. We'll explore Mike's evolution in recent months as a better, including a pivot from bottom up to top down. And we'll also get into some legal considerations that betters may want to take into account when thinking about partnering with betters across state lines and using Bitcoin for offshore betting transactions. We'll also touch on the Doggy Juice pod and see what Mike has in store for his audience there. And of course, we're going to weave in the hops going coast to coast and beyond, even to Greece with a beer that Mike has to highlight from his honeymoon. For now, want to thank Mike for the time and insight. You can follow him on Twitter at Michael Roselli. You can also follow his show at Doggy Juice and make sure to listen to the Doggy Juice podcast. To everybody in the audience, thank you for tuning into part one of this conversation, and I'll catch you again next week with part two with my good friend, Mike Roselli. I'm